fear will always be there. And it's what you do in the presence of fear itself matters. And it's actually an amplifying power. If you can stand up to fear and use fear and, and use it in a way to amplify whatever you're doing, you know, that's growth. That's walking into this, the uncertainty, the unknown, and is in no way is it pleasant or fun <laughs> or, uh, you know, easy, but it is worth it. And, and there's an immense amount of growth that can be had when, when you can start to lean into fear and, and almost use fear as your guide. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. All right, let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Matt Manx. Matt grew up in athletics. He was a Division III college football walk-on, and for seven years, he was Syracuse University's strength and conditioning coach for football, men's lacrosse, and women's lacrosse. And he then transitioned to become a sports performance coach and then also dove into alternative health with massage therapy and traditional Chinese medicine. Welcome to the show, Matt. I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, it's great, uh, great to be with you today, Matt. And I and I and I mentioned that uh, we were talking earlier. Um, I found Matt on Instagram, and uh, Matt has one of the all-time great names on Instagram. It's called Circadian Man. Um, Matt, where did that where did that name come from? Yeah, that, I appreciate the, uh, the <laughs> shout out there. And, and recently, I think people are starting to stumble upon my page. And, and that's connected me with some some like minded people who know what circadian means. I know when I first uh, transitioned into that handle, uh, a lot of my friends and family were like, I don't even understand. Why is he switching his name to circadian? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> uh, but now it's it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. So, uh, you know, hopefully the, the message is starting to resonate with, with some people. But, um, you know, circadian for me, I've always grown up you know, outdoors, um, you know, at the beach or hanging out in the sun and, and just connecting with nature. And, you know, through my career in athletics and, and sports performance and strength conditioning, I began, began uh, almost put myself in a little bit of a box. You know, I was, I was living in, you know, a, a collegiate weight room and, and uh, you know, a, a weight room for 10, 12, 14 hours a day and really was not connected to, to the outdoors. And when I began to transition into uh, massage therapy school and, and the private sector as a sports performing coach, I had a little bit more time on my hands. And I, I used that time to kind of dive into some podcasts specifically around health. And uh, I stumbled upon a man named Jack Cruz, who was recommended to me by one of my mentors. And, you know, this guy, Jack Cruz, a neuro, neurosurgeon out there in the Bayou area. And he was one of the first people speaking about light health and, and how it impacts our health and, and our well-being and our, our all our hormonal systems. And, you know, through light and, and our environment in light, we are then aligned through our circadian rhythm. Um, and this was probably almost four years ago. And, uh, you know, for me, it kind of just everything began to click for me. It was like, oh, I, I was at one point in my youth you know, very vibrant and healthy when I was outdoors and mostly in the sun, you know, having that olive skin, it was something I always enjoyed, you know, being healthier when I had a, a nice tan, but it was more about, you know, the photons I was receiving from the light. 
Um, and once I really started to dive into this rabbit hole of light health and, uh, you know, reconnecting with nature, uh, it, it, it was a no brainer for me to kind of transition to that handle. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I know when we were talking on the phone, Matt, I, you mentioned, um, just how big, a big of a, a part nature is in your life. And, um, you know, why, why do you think nature is such good medicine for, for all of us really? Yeah. I mean, that's an awesome concept and, and, and an awesome question. I think nature it's all, it's relative. So I, I would say that nature is so powerful now is because of how disconnected we are from it in our current, in our current societies. Um, you know, I think there's a native American say, uh, saying that, you know, they don't really have a word for nature. It just, that's what it is, right? It's, it's mm. something, you know, the environment that we, we just lit it's earth. Right. Um, and, and, you know, from, you know, just our environments now and, uh, you know, society and how it's designed and, and what we're really, uh, you know, the path that we kind of live by is, disconnected from that. And, and I would say that the reason uh, why nature is so powerful now is because we're so disconnected from it. When we do plug into, you know, the, these scenarios and, and these environments, it's almost like our body remembers how good we're supposed to feel when we're, you know, surrounded by, you know, natural uh, scenic uh, backgrounds such as trees and natural shapes and, and vibrant colors such as green and blue and not um, just exposing ourselves to these boxed, you know, type of concrete, um, you know, windows and frames and, and, and more uh, man-made shapes. These things are um, influencing our, our state, our, our homeostasis, uh, but even our neurochemical uh, levels and, and balances and, and uh, you know, just overall states of, of being and, and health and, and, and balance. Um, you know, so I would say, yes, good medicine and, and medicine that we can all start to uh, take more in of. Totally, totally. And, and you were telling me that, you know, being here in the Northeast or New York area that, I mean, the, the, you know, the temperature can go to pretty extremes in the winter and the summer and that you built your own sauna. I thought this was the coolest thing. You built your own sauna um, and you also build an ice bath. And I'd love to just talk about, you know, the way in which you've kind of embraced nature and the seasons by, by doing these types of things. Yeah, I would also segue, uh, you know, before I got into light health and Jack Cruz and, and the circadian rhythm stuff, I was also getting into Wim Hof a, a number of years back. And and at one point, you know, given my career working as a strength coach in Syracuse, New York, the winters were absolutely brutal. <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was cold, it was cloudy, and it would snow from, you know, October to May, pretty much. And, and the winters were tough. Um, but, you know, I, I stumbled upon a Wim Hof book and the Wim Hof method, and it allowed me to use some of his breathing uh, styles and his cold, cold exposure to kind of brave the elements a little bit and not be so, uh, you know, using, you know, the, the cold as an excuse to not get outdoors or not train outside. And it was like, no, this guy's, you know, shirtless, barefoot, you know, up on Everest <laughs> doing his thing. Uh, and, and as, and as example to, you know, if we can uh, do certain things where we can plug back into the, the, to the nature, regardless of the temperature or the, you know, the, the environment itself. So, you know, Again, being in New York, uh, in the Northeast, you know, the, the winters are, are, you know, cold. They're not brutal, but they're cold. And, you know, these are things that, you know, I started to do was to take a lot of my my personal method methodology and, and how I, um, you know, theorize and value how much time we should be spending in nature. And that includes when we're training and lifting weights and, and getting exercise. And so I've kind of started to bridge the gap between um, nature and our exposure to nature and taking that into the athletic performance and, and the fitness uh, and the health worlds. 
so to for me to really value taking whatever you can do and and train and lift weights and and your exercise pretty much do the best you can to take that outdoors uh you know take your take your stuff and and get it out in the driveway or you know if there's something you can do at home that you don't need to go to the gym for do that do that at home uh and and so the sauna for me it was uh, you know i I did want to still continue to train outdoors in the winter and it was, you know, some days are okay, but some days it's, it's freaking pretty freaking cold. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've always been into the, to the sauna stuff. Um, I know Laird Hamilton and the XPT do, uh, and, and a lot of guys are, um, you know, and Joe Rogan, even they're always in it. Uh, and, and I've been doing it at one point in my life and I always really, really, really felt good after I'm like, well, I need to, I need to, I need one. I know this is something I want to, I want to get going in, in my, uh, in, in my, my own life, my own training. And, uh, you know, this was my first one of my first quarantine projects was, uh, you know, I had more time and, and uh, you know, I had this this urge and this desire to have a sauna. And I, I've always been looking about uh, thinking about purchasing one. And then I'm like, screw it. I can DIY it. I can YouTube it. Uh, and, and then three to four weeks later, we had one uh, built up in there in, in the backyard. Um, and that, again, let, uh, allowed me to continue to train outdoors, even in the winter, you know, when the temperatures are in the 20s and the 30s. You know, I can be, begin a session or end a session in the sauna, get my heart rate up and get a nice sweat going. And then I can take whatever I have to do, even if it's, you know, somewhat of a blizzard or got snow on the ground. Uh, my body's still capable and able to regulate a temperature through the sauna use. And I do that in the winter. Um, and, and, and but in the summer, I, I kind of do the opposite. I'm, 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 I'm still outside. Uh, but, you know, I have an ice bath. I have, you know, your standard 13 cubic foot uh, ice chest freezer that you know, it is big in, in the, you know, the health and performance world. Now it's like, you can fill it up with water, you plug it in for a couple hours and now you have cold temps, you know, under 40 degrees that you can emerge yourself in and sink in again before or after your training sessions that not only is going to give you all the, the cold thermogenesis effects, but it also, again, can, allows me to still continue to train outdoors now, even in the summer when it's, you know, 90 plus outside. Wow, that's great. So, so do you recommend? So, you really recommend that people really look for ways to to bring their training, to bring their weights, bring them whatever it takes to get it outside. I mean, have you noticed? Have, what are some of the benefits that you've noticed about training outdoors? Yeah, that's awesome. And I have a, a hashtag that I, I like to spread out there. It's called Solar Power, and uh, basically, it's that if you can take. Again, if you have access to, to your own stuff or you can, you know, have a, a garage gym with with an open door, I strongly, strongly recommend you take as mu- as majority of what you do outdoors out of the outside from uh, the, the fluorescent light bulbs and, and just the box view of, of uh, your commercial gym and to get your your skin outside, uh, get your feet on the ground. And, and get your mitochondria uh, <laughs> available to, to the rays of the sunlight. And, and that's kind of like what uh, I, I determined uh, what solar power is. It, it's, you know, we have a certain assemblage of a solar powered function in, in our cells. So, you know, as the sun rays are penetrating our skin, they're actually, actually manipulating our mitochondria to inc- increase their uh, capacity for energy. And, you know, if you look in a standard biology textbook, you know, you see one or two mitochondria in the cell and that's somewhat, you know, some ways not as accurate. It could be, you know, sometimes we have up to a thousand per cell, you know, so these things are jam packed um, and they're very um, right on the, uh, the superficial layers of our skin. So we're basically like a walking solar panel, uh, you know, and, and there's this immense potential for, for energy 
uh, that we are exposing ourselves to when we're outside uh, and we're under the under the sun. So, you know, not only is it, I would say, psychologically help healthy for us to kind of get out outdoors and, and immerse ourselves in, again, exposing ourselves to these natural colors and shapes. Um, we're also getting an energetic uh, surplus and a transference from the sun into into our skin and into our mitochondria. Beautiful, beautiful. And then you also you also simultaneously have some connection with the Earth's surface. You take off your shoes. How do you how how do you do that? Re- connecting with the Earth as well as you know getting the energy from the sun. Right. So it, when I'm talking about energy, uh, you know, for some of the athletes or, or the general population, people that I help, it's you know we we. We, we, you know, Dunkin' Donuts logo. It's like America runs on Dunkin'. It's like ah, not really the case here. Like we run on energy. We run on energy potential. And if you can just have some basic knowledge of, of thermodynamics and that energy is never created or destroyed, it's actually just transferred from you know one source to the other. So when we're outdoors and and like you said, when we're when our bare skin is touching the Earth's surface, there's a transference of of electrons uh, and energy exchange there. And and you know so we can assemble energy in in multiple in multiple ways, but um, you know simply we 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 can have ions from uh, you know ions from structured water. We can have electrons from the Earth's surface, and we and we can have photons from the sun. Uh, and if we are in 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 reference accumulating some of these uh, you know these this potential energy through ions, through electrons, and through photons, our potential energy, our uh, potential. To, to be active and, and for all our cellular reactions to occur, but also our physical, our physicality to, to occur is going to be much higher. So again, the grounding is such a, a hot thing in the health and wellness world. So, you know, again, that's an, another added bonus that you can do outdoors. If you're training, you know, you could pop the shoes off and you can get out and, and hopefully touch some grass and, and get those free electrons too. Beautiful. And so Matt, you mentioned Wim Hof and the Wim Hof breathing. What does your breathing practice look like now? I mean, do you have a daily thing that you do every day or how does your breathing practice look right now? Yeah. Um, the Wim Hof thing was, is, was awesome. I don't do it as consistently as I once did when I was diving into his stuff. Uh, you know, I would say every other week, maybe I, I do sit down and I do hit a nice, you know, a couple rounds of, of some hyperventilation and some breath holds. Uh, but I would say the most consistent thing I do around breath is nasal breathing. Uh, for me, it's something that, you know, if you can look into Patrick McCown's book and some of the Buteco stuff that, um, you know, and also James Nestor's stuff that that is, you know, entering the health and wellness and performance worlds now, it's, it's really about um, our awareness of our breath. Um, but also understanding that our our noses are for breathing and our mouths are for eating. Mm. Uh, and then sometimes we get so dominant in uh, mouth breathing and and that's actually not helping our performance in in any way. It's actually, I would say, detracting from that. So to return our innate and natural ability uh, to maintain nasal breathing throughout any amount of strenuous or non-strenuous activity is is gigantic. Uh, in ways that can help our ability to just regulate our nervous system, um, just just give ourselves of uh, a sense of awareness. And it's kind of like that bridge between, you know, your state and then having some semblance of control over that state, right? So your nerve a lot, you know, you know your sympathetic tone and, and be, being able to kind of access more of a pi- pi- uh, parasympathetic, you know, natural state. You kind of want to be there throughout the day, majority of the time. And then when, if and when, you can kind of ramp yourself up or bring yourself back down. And it's really uh, beneficial to be dominantly nasal breathing uh, throughout the day, even if you're training too. So sometimes I'll do that where, you know, even if I am, say, going for a run or, or 
uh, about to go lift some weights or something, I'll sometimes tape the mouth closed or um, things of that nature where I'm still influencing uh, that ability to, to maintain nasal breathing, even if my heart rate's going pretty high. Mm. You know, it's amazing how many things go wrong when you breathe through your mouth for the oh, yeah. <laughs> predominantly. We we had James Nestor on the show a few months ago and and he was and he was fantastic and and basically he said, you know, in one in one sentence, he said, "Shut your mouth and breathe through your nose." If he could right. if he could recommend anything. That's right. It, it's big. It's big. Um, and then what about, what about diet? I mean, I know a lot of your work is about getting back to those primal ancestral ways of living, you know, being out in nature, but what about eating? How does that, uh, you know, what do you recommend for, for diet? Yeah, I'm glad you kind of brought that up, um, diet. And when you, when you speak about primal and ancestral kind of perspectives around diet, I think I have a pretty unique one. And, you know, I focus on, you know, what is going in the body, yes, but I also focus on how that's actually occurring and our perspective about the actual thing that we're doing. Um, you know, so if you're going to put yourself in more of a primal ancestral uh, lens to kind of see that and, and see eating and nourishment, we have to attach an emotional component to this. And, and I think this is dramatically lacking in our, in our, in our worlds uh, is again, seeing, seeing food and seeing nourishment and seeing the process of eating as an emotional experience first. And that's a physical experience second. And I say that because, uh, you know, I have a couple examples, but you know, if you just observe a mother, right. And, and she say, she just has a, you know, a, a just gave birth to, to her child. And, you know, the first experience from mother to child is, is an act of nourishment. And yes, there's a physical uh, transference of, of nutrients that goes on through whatever that may be, the breast milk or whatnot, but you cannot dis uh, discredit the emotional transaction that occurs there. There is a direct um, emotional transaction from the mother to the child and the provider to, to the receiver. And we kind of lose that as we, as we age, right? We don't really attach our emotions to what we put on our body anymore because it's, you know, when you go to a supermarket, this is, you know, what you grab off the shelf is not something that you grew. And there was no emotional investment into that. And if, say, if you are growing your own food, or you have, if you have a garden, you know, there is that emotional investment that goes into, you know, watering, watering the plants, making sure everything's seasonally uh, taken care of, right? So in regard to that, you know, it's fueling our body. I think if we can understand that, yes, it's a physical thing and the physical macro and micronutrients do matter, but they're if we begin to influence it and see it as an emotional experience, uh, that definitely starts to change the value of it. It, it allows you to um, pick the better better choice in the supermarket, but it also allows you to kind of sit down and, and chew your food and value the experience and hopefully share it with loved ones um, and not rush where, where I used to do like behind the wheel, I uh, used to eating on the go all the time, never sitting, shoving food in my mouth. And, and I had this emotional disconnection to the process. Um, you know, so I see food and nourishment and eating as an emotional experience. And, and I teach people that it is an emotional experience. And when you can start to see it as that such first, then the choices become so much easier. It's like, oh, I, I want to choose, you know, the colorful, uh, nourishing, you know, uh, less ingredient, less processed kind of thing. It's like, cause this is going to allow me to be emotionally more grounded, more stable, uh, and, and, it's, and it's putting myself in a better state emotionally. Uh, you know, and that I would say is a primal ancestral lens to, and perspective to see it as well, because at one point we were growing our own food, we were hunting our own food. There was a, there was a lot of emotion that kind of went to it. 
uh, went into it. And and when you say did hunt that thing and, and you or you did grow your, your your thing and then you sat down and now it's on your plate, you're damn grateful for what's on that plate because you again, you invested so much energy and emotion into that. Uh, and, and, and even just now, if you can just practice like some gratefulness before you consume your food as to where hopefully wherever it came from in a good way, uh, again, it, I think it really changes the experience, uh, allows us to be more parasympathetic and then grateful, uh, and then also attaches all this emotional component I think that's missing. Wow. Love that. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone really talk about that or at least not to the extent that you are. I mean, that's, that's, that's really profound. That's great. That's such a huge, like a missing piece, like what we bring to what we bring to the meal the gratitude the love the mindfulness that's yeah really important mm -hmm. absolutely yeah beautiful um so uh so matt maybe talk a little bit about you know you you have a really interesting journey from from being a football player a walk-on too um and a strength coach at a major you know major university major program and really going, you know, sort of in a, a maybe in a different direction into these Eastern healing modalities and philosophies, um, maybe talk a little bit about the influence of, you know, Taoism, the Tao, Chinese medicine, um, all these different practices, the influence they've had in your career and also just, you know, you as a person in your life. Yeah, that's an awesome question. And, and you know, I, I, the more I speak about this, I guess the more it makes sense on my end, because a couple of <laughs> years ago, um, you know, when I decided to jump out of the, the collegiate strength conditioning world, you know, a lot of people didn't really know why. And I don't think I really knew why at the at the at the moment either. I just had this urge, this, this instinctual, um, you know, feeling to kind of want to explore more. And again, you know, I think what was easy for me is that I had seven years of division one experience before I was 31, 30, 30 years old. Uh, and, and it was almost like, yeah, this is awesome. It's a great job. I love it to death. But there's more to me that I still have to learn. And there's more to learn about, you know, everything in regards to how I really see uh, the human experience and and the uh, strength and conditioning and the high level performance is only one side of that. And I think I was missing the other side, the other picture, the the yin to the yang, if you will, like when you when you do understand a little bit of Taoism and duality. And, and I think the traditional Chinese medicine and the, and the healing arts of massage therapy was like the perfect complement for me to, again, go from this, you know, jock athlete as a kid to then this walk on and then to this weight room junkie and then training athletes at a high level. And then I really, again, was missing, uh, you know, I, I almost felt like I only had half of, of, of what I really needed. Uh, and, and then to kind of really explore traditional Chinese medicine and the Eastern philosophies and understand you know, how much empathy you need to have when, when you go practice some of these, these healing arts as massage therapy is and do it through and from the lens of these Eastern philosophies such as Taoism. You know, it, 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 it for me personally, it dramatically changed, you know, how I really see, uh, you know, my, my life and my passions, my curiosities and how that all can begin to kind of uh, weave together in one experience and, and one, say, service, I guess, for me is, is what I bring to the world. Uh, and Taoism, for me, it really helped bring more balance into my own life. Uh, it really helped me understand things for me, um, you know, being, again, almost very excess yang, if you will, kind of like yang junkied out as, a, as a young, most young, uh, teenage boys are mm. uh, and, and young 20s are. And, and I don't think we really understand or, or at least taught the, the other side that there is this restorative, nourishing um, yin function that, you know, sh has to be assembled in some way or fashion in your life. And when you do not have that, and when you lack that, 
you're out of balance. And in some way, in some form, at some point, you're going to reach an obstacle. You're going to re- reach an injury. Uh, you're going to reach, you know, maybe some some, uh, some some mental emotional experience that is unpleasant. Uh, and when you can start to understand some of these, say, forces, if you will, of, of yang and yin, or masculine and feminine, or expansion and reception, uh, and then kind of live in the middle. Uh, know when to go and when when to know. I say sometimes there's go time and sometimes there's no time, uh, and and this can influence not only your physical states and your physicality, but also you know how you can perceive your mind and how your mind works and your mental emotional capacities, uh, and also like your belief in and beyond something bigger than yourself. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, so Matt, what are some of the uh, what are some of the daily practices that you do? I mean, you've already mentioned a few of them, but, um, you know, if we were with you for, for a typical day, day in the life, um, what are some of the practices that help to keep you more grounded and peaceful? Yeah, I'm, I love how you said grounded because, uh, grounding <laughs> is definitely one of them. Uh, for me, it's, I, I really, you know, aim to be outdoors majority of the day. Uh, I aim to be barefoot as, as, as much as I can, you know, uh, if I don't need shoes, I'm, I'm usually not wearing them. Uh, and I'm usually connected, literally connected to the earth as, as much as I can. Um, but, you know, but specific practices, you know, as, as my day goes on, um, you know, when I, when I get up in the morning, I really do try not to set an alarm if I don't have to, um, you know, I, I have, you know, uh, as I, I rise out of the, out of the floor, off the floor, my fiance and I, we sleep on the floor. That's another thing that we do. I can kind of talk about that as well. But, uh, as I get off the floor, uh, within the first five to 10 minutes, I immediately go outside. I have a little deck out here and, and I do some morning movement, um, but I'm, I'm orienting myself towards the sunrise uh, and, and I'm not using any glasses or contacts or anything really. It's, it's more about, can I get this natural stimulus onto my skin and into my eyes and then also mix in some uh, exploratory movement. And what that does is kind of rehydrating the tissues, um, activating this kind of piezoelectric effect in our bones and our muscles to generate their own electrical charge, but also aligning my circadian rhythm through through the, uh, the exposure to light. Uh, and then also, you know, then I, whatever it may be, if, if it's a little breakfast or whatnot, and, and I do, again, have this emotional component where I have this gratefulness uh, experience, this, this kind of uh, presencing mantra that I do each morning before I consume the food. Uh, and then, you know, the, the work day goes on, maybe it's some, some coaching calls or some, some athletes that I'm working with locally, uh, and also finishing my, my last semester here at massage therapy. Um, and then, you know, I, I try to do stay fit and active. So, I, you know, I have some things out there that are a little bit out of the box in regards to training. Um, but for me, it's, it's really allowed me to kind of continue to feel young, spry and athletic well, well into my young thirties here. So, um, I'm on my, I have a little balance beam out there, uh, that I'm on quite a bit. I also have a trampoline in the backyard, which I'm I'm always, uh, you know, jumping on up and down, which which gives me again more of this uh, playful type of experience. I think that's, uh, you know, can sometimes uh, be lost in, in, you know, the typical jock meathead who's, you know, doing the same thing for a decade and all of a sudden like working out's not fun anymore. Uh, and and to reintroduce some aspect of enjoyment into the process of training is something that I think is vital for uh, for us as 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 we age because you know it is going to help us stay fit and stay healthy, uh, but it has to be fun. Um, so including such things as that, you know, getting on the, the balance beam, jumping on the trampoline, also, um, some very unstructured type of just dance moves, uh, you know, some good music out there, you know, that these are things to do that, that again, I, I feel almost like I'm, I'm aging in reverse. <laughs> you know, I always mm-hmm. feel, uh, you know, in a way I'm kind of getting younger, uh, or at least my body's telling me that. So I know these things are, are, uh, beneficial for myself, but again, it, it kind of allows me to think outside the box and, and program outside the box, uh, and continue for, 
uh, these methodologies and, and these theories and, and these applications to continue to evolve because you know I, I work with people of all age age groups uh, from from youth to uh, to to elder um, and these things I think are distilled in a way that they can hopefully be applied for anybody to really experience health and, and vibrant life uh, which which uh, you know is missing I think a, a little bit here and where we're at now no no doubt no doubt Matt um, it, you know a big part of the show and a big part of the work that I do it's all about living against the grain I mean that's a big philosophy I've adopted is just kind of everything's going one direction and you know kind of recommend going the other way um, and uh, I, I love I love how you talked about on the phone we talked a little bit about um, you were going to get a van, I guess, and, and, uh, take it out on a road trip or just take, or, or live in the van. Yeah. And, and I love that whole, you know, just willing to, you know, embrace that, you know, that living against the grain philosophy, um, maybe talk a little bit about what you were, what you were thinking there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the van thing has been calling me for, for almost a decade. Uh, you know, I was probably when I first started getting interested in it, I was probably in my early twenties. And if I always would say to my friends, I'd be like, that's going to be me one day. I'm just going to be <laughs> jumping in the van and I don't really uh, need much. And I think it's in a way it's, it's a very minimalistic type of uh, perspective, but I also see it as like an essentialist, uh, you know, so again, I, I, there's so many things out there that we, we, we are, are extra and, and in a, in almost in a Taoist way, it's, it's, you know, if you study a little bit of the Taoist way, it's like these guys would go off into the mountains and just live by their own. And, and, uh, we're very, 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 I would say like the OG minimalists, you know, these Taoists were, uh, and I think the van life is kind of part of that. It's something that is, is a, yes, it's very exciting and it's, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it, pleasing to kind of see on Instagram and social media, these people are out there taking pictures when, you know, experiencing life, which, which we don't really get to when we're bogged down to one location and we have a job and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, there's many people that we, we see in the van that, that say, you know, Hey man, that was my dream. I, I, I really enjoy what you're doing. I think it, it is my dream to still do that. Um, and at one point it was like, if this is something I want to do and it is a dream for me, it's time to freaking do it. It's time to figure <laughs> out a way to get it done, uh, and, and continue to kind of chase that dream and make it a reality. Uh, and once I really decided to kind of buckle down and, and get the, get the wheels going a little bit, literally and figuratively, figuratively, um, things started to happen. And, 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 and I was hunting them vans down on Craigslist for, for months. I uh, was able to stumble upon one and uh, a lovely family out there in the East End of Long Island were, were selling, uh, you know, a Ford Transit. And uh, I looked at my fiance and we said it was a no brainer. We we got it in our, our driveway three th uh, three days later and we began ripping it to shreds and, and building it out. Um, and that was my second quarantine project. <laughs> that, was, that was the van built. Um, you know, but again, it is, I would say, 100 percent. It's a living against the grain. It's kind of doing, um, you know, what what most people aren't. And, uh, you know, if, if that's something that resonates and, and it sings true to you, I mean, these are the things that you should start to incorporate in your life now. You know, there, there's so many things that you, you, you kind of die with as a regret. And, and if you can, you know, sit there when you're 70, 80 or 90 and say, you know, I almost checked everything off the, off the list. And, you know, for me, van life. Uh, is still one of them and continues to be, uh, you know, uh, a, a force as to kind of how I'm starting to design my life uh, to be hopefully more more remote or virtual, or at least part time where I can, you know, spend, say, six months in the van and then come back. So, uh, yeah, man. Love it. I love that. That's great. That's great, Matt. Um, hopefully I'm going to join you out there on the road. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so final couple of questions here. Um, if someone's listening right now and they're feeling a little bit fearful, uh, alone, powerless, 
What's one thing you'd recommend if they were with you right now that they could maybe do today to begin to take their life in a new direction? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I would say go watch The Dark Knight Rises and fast forward to the point where he just gets the shit kicked out of him by Bane and he's in the pit and he's doing his sit-ups and he's, he's getting ready and he's trying to get out of the pit and uh, he's got the rope. And he keeps trying to climb, climb, climb out, and he keeps stumbling, he keeps failing, and he keeps coming back. And then, you know, the wise man in, in the pit says, how can you expect to run faster than you ever thought possible, jump higher than you ever thought possible, or do anything you ever thought possible without the most potent fear, uh, the, the most potent force behind any action is the fear of death. And he's, he tells Bruce Wayne, he says, let go of the rope, and fear will find you again. And I think that's such an important lesson to understand that fear will always be there. And it's what you do in the presence of fear itself matters. And it's actually an amplifying power. If you can stand up to fear and use fear and, and use it in a way to amplify whatever you're doing, you know, that's growth. That's walking into this, the uncertainty, the unknown and is in no way is it pleasant or fun <laughs> or uh, you know easy, but it is worth it. And and there's an immense amount of growth that can be had when when you can start to lean into fear and and almost use fear as your guide, uh, and understand that when fear does find you again, that's probably a very good thing as long as there's no risk involved, right? Fear doesn't automatically associate itself with risk or danger. Fear is just a feeling, uh, and and sometimes we're living in this 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 fear without any risk. Uh, and if there is no risk, but there is still fear, that's probably exactly where you want to go. Mm, wow. That's great. All right, Matt, final question. Um, if you could travel back in time, well, you'd be pretty, pretty darn young. I, I asked this question to Alex Lee and he was like, I, I would have been like one years old, but, um, <laughs> so let me, let me just change it a little bit. So if you could travel back in time, like 20 years or so, what words of wisdom might you, you, your, would your current self maybe share with your younger self? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I would be about 10, 10 or 11 years old, but I would, I would tell myself to just continue to be yourself and, and never hide who you are. And, uh, you know, you don't have to change anything about yourself to, to get where you want to go. It's more about just taking that purest version of yourself into the world, uh, and continuing to align with, with who you are and, and bring that truest and purest version into everything you do. Matt, how can people uh, that want to learn more about you and your work, wh where should they go? Yeah, the easiest way to find me is just at circadian underscore man on Instagram. Um, you know, I, I have some, some uh, you know, a small following there, but, but a lot of more of, of my own theories and methodologies and, and uh, what I'm about to share in, in this 2020, 2021 uh, is, is going to continue to expand. I've been kind of quiet on the social media for a number of years, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to really step into it there. Um, and, you know, shoot me a message if you're interested on any, any type of health mentorship or coaching personally, um, or just continue to support, uh, you know, my, my solar powering movement uh, and, and, the, and the journey, hopefully in van life very soon. Beautiful. Matt, thank you so much. This was, this was great to connect with you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. 
So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone. <laughs>